This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 45. And I opened an office, I hired a branch manager, basically took everything I knew from the other three locations and just duplicated it into the Sarasota area. I mean, everything looks the same the same office layout, the same infrastructure. Welcome to a real-world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. How's it going, everybody? I'm Jay Scott. I'm your co-host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. And once again this week, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Mrs. Carol Scott. How's it going today, Carol? I am entirely grateful, humbled, and honored that we once again have the opportunity to talk with an incredibly inspirational guest. She's an entrepreneur who started out with a little bitty, bitty business and grew it into something huge. She's wonderful. And again, just grateful we get to listen to her story. Yeah, absolutely. So today we've gotten a lot of feedback over the last few months that we don't have enough episodes that talk about franchising. So over the next few weeks, we're actually going to do several episodes that talk about different aspects of franchising. And we're starting out today with a woman named Michelle Reed Spitzer. And as you alluded to, she started a tiny little business, a one-woman business uh, about 20 years ago, just a house cleaning business. And she has a great story on how she got started but she transformed or actually transitioned that business from a one-woman business into a franchisee of a larger franchise called Made Pro. And from there, she has grown that business tremendously with multiple locations. And I'll let her tell the whole story. But the long story short is about 20 years ago, she was a one-woman business that didn't know how to get started, basically started with $300 and a lot of hard work. And today she's in a position where she can literally take off for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and her business runs without her. So it's not only an inspirational story, but jam-packed, filled with actionable tips for anybody out there who's ever wondered, how does a franchise work? What it might feel like to get into a franchise? And all those questions you should be asking about 
how do I do due diligence on a franchise if it's something you might be considering? So if you want more information about this episode or the things we talk about in this episode, check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash bizshow45. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash bizshow45. Now, before we jump in, let's hear a quick word from some awesome sponsors. This is the point in the show where I typically read an ad from our sponsor, but today's sponsor is ZipRecruiter, a company that Carol and I have been using a whole lot recently. So forgive me for being a little bit less formal on this one. As many of our listeners know, both of our businesses have been growing quickly. And once again, we find ourselves in hiring mode. Carol's getting ready to hire a part-time marketing specialist for her brokerage, and I'm looking for a full-time office manager for my company. In the past, we've tried pretty much every method imaginable to hire great employees, but these days, we simply focus on what works best, and that's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is an online marketplace that posts our jobs on over 100 different job boards. The best part? ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding us. It finds them for us. In fact, the last time we used ZipRecruiter was to hire our executive assistant, and we found the perfect candidate in a weekend. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And given our results, I'm not a bit surprised. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Want to try ZipRecruiter? You can for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BPB, like BiggerPockets Business. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash BPB. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors. Okay, now, without any further ado, let's bring in our guest, Michelle Reed Spitzer. And let's welcome Michelle to the show. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We are so excited that you're here with us. You have such a great story and you have so much to teach our listeners. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, I I know we have a lot of listeners. I've gotten a lot of requests over the last few months about, hey, you need to talk about franchising and you need to have somebody on that can help us like figure out how this whole franchising thing works. And so today is the first episode in a couple that we're going to have about franchising and you can provide just a great perspective. So I'm not going to spoil the story. I'm going to let you start at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about how you kind of got into the business you're in and, and how you got to the point where you were ready to start a franchise? Wow. How it all started, the beginning. <laughs> well, it, it started where I actually moved from Champaign, Illinois. I used to work for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, and they had made some changes and my position was eliminated. So, aha, uh-huh, I had to make some changes. So I decided to relocate to Florida, Naples area because that's where my family had moved prior. So I'd already visited the area quite frequently and uh, decided to make a new start. With my mom's encouragement, she encouraged me to finish my stop and start college program. So I decided to enroll at International College at the time, now known as Hodges University, to finish my college program. While doing so, my brother had a girlfriend that was cleaning houses, and he would tell me how she was doing very well and making some pretty nice cash. So I thought, hmm, well, maybe I could figure out how to do that and make a little extra spending money while I'm going to school. So I bought a book called Speed Cleaning 101, 
my mom thought I was absolutely crazy because I had the world's messiest bedroom growing up as a teenager. <laughs> but I taught myself how to clean. That book had little diagrams and things like that to show you how to move through the house efficiently, etc. And that's how I began. I began cleaning houses independently while going to school. Now, at the time, I had the wonderful opportunity to have a professor by the name of Dr. Gene Landrum. And I don't know if you know who he is, but he was actually the original founder of the Chuck E. Cheese franchise. And he quickly became my first mentor. He wanted us to learn about real life experiences outside of a textbook. He didn't want us to memorize terms and definitions. As a matter of fact, the first homework assignment he gave us was to actually write a business plan. So I decided to write my plan on actually having a real cleaning company. And as I'm writing this plan, I'm thinking, wow, I might be onto something because obviously cleaning houses on my own, if I were to want to go on vacation, I wouldn't be able to earn any money. If I were sick, I wouldn't be earning any money. So it just became a natural idea of, hey, let's turn this into something. And I decided to start with an investment of $300 to get my life, my insurance, liability insurance to protect myself and whatever else I needed to create with a fictitious name, et cetera, to make myself a legal entity and became Michelle's Classy Cleaning. And of course, through trial and error, literally not having a clue as to what I was doing, I developed a nice little size cleaning business, started adding employees. And uh, just four years later, another opportunity came my way. That's awesome. That is a great intro. Thank you, Michelle. I love that. And there are so, so many things that I want to dig into in there. There's one in particular. Well, there are so many in particular, but one I want to dig into right now. You mentioned that you had a mentor who was, it sounds like the founder of Chuck E. Cheese. Did I capture that correctly? That is correct. I've learned and and several other of our guests have talked about how crucially important it is to find that right mentor. How did you find this person? And can you give some tips to our listeners about how they will go about doing that, finding the right mentor that's going to steer you in the right direction to really put your entrepreneurial journey where you need it to be? Absolutely. Um, Well, I was fortunate that in my college experience that it just happened to be fate, I guess, (laughs) that he was my professor just in the classroom alone. And and always what I have found, look for opportunities, always looked up to people that are successful, that have done things that you want to learn. Surround yourself with those types of people because you'll just learn like a sponge from them. There's a lot of mentors that can come along the way. Another mentor is my parents. Uh, My parents have always been entrepreneurs themselves. They've had uh, construction uh, businesses, real estate businesses, and I worked alongside with them on many of those adventures. So there's been a lot of mentors along the way. That is wonderful. No, I love that. And, And I love the fact, and this is a common theme for a lot of entrepreneurs on this show, you started your business with $300. I just want to reiterate that. You didn't go in there with a 10000 or or $100,000 or $1 million investment. You weren't no. going out 
raising capital. You weren't putting on a dog and pony like a venture capital show to raise venture capital money. You literally <laughs> started your business with $300, but you had a plan. You put together a plan that allowed you to get from a one person business that you started for a couple hundred bucks yes. to a business. And you said it yourself, a business that would allow you to go on vacation, that would allow you to take time off, that would allow the business to kind of run and thrive and continue to, to operate without you there day in and day out. And so I think that's just a great reminder to our listeners that when you start a business, it really, it doesn't have to be 80 hours a week. It doesn't have to be a hundred thousand dollar investment. You can start small and you can get big over time. Yes. I started very small. It started with just me, myself and I, that $300 investment. I just kept reinvesting my earnings to continue to build uh, upon the business to the point where really a large organization today. So it can be done with a small investment. That's great. Okay. So we could talk about that business in a whole lot more detail, but there's a chapter two and three and four to this story. And I'd (laughs) love to get there because I think that's what I think is, is tremendously interesting here. So tell us about the next chapter, how you took your business from your business to the next step to a franchise business. Well, Michelle's Classic Cleaning back in 1999. So I started in 95. So in 99, I had a nice little size business. I probably had maybe six employees at the time. And I had an office in my garage in the middle of the woods, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, But I remember sitting in my little office and received a postcard in the mail. And that postcard said, look who's coming to town, Made Pro. So I thought, hmm, Who's my new competition in town? Who is Made Pro? What are, what are these guys all about? So literally my competitive nature took over and I decided that I was going to secret shop them. I wanted to know what they were charging. How many people did they send into the home? Did they provide the supplies and equipment? You know, what are they all about? So I had my list of questions ready to go and I was going to pretend to be a potential customer and ask my questions. Well, to my surprise, I was literally talking to the founder of MadePro, who is a franchise or, and they really caught my attention. They were actually looking or soliciting existing cleaning companies to become part of their franchise opportunity. At the time, they were fairly new at franchising. And they caught my attention based on the conversation that we had over the phone. And they invited me to come up to Boston, Massachusetts, where they're headquarters is to meet with them. Now, at the time, I was three months pregnant with my first child, Zoe. And I bought a little black dress because I wanted to try to hide the fact that I was pregnant just in case they might turn me down if I were interested. And that's kind of how I was thinking at the time. But I went and I made that trip and I was very, very impressed. They were young. They were progressive. They were fun. They were just really, really inspiring. And I, I just knew, my, my gut told me that this is the right opportunity. And so they accepted me. They invited me to join their organization. Because I had an existing cleaning business and they were new at franchising, my investment was a big, huge dollar to make it legal. One dollar. <laughs> And that's when the conversion began. I literally converted Michelle's Classic Cleaning into the Made Pro franchise. That's 
Awesome. Okay. I want to stop here and I want to revisit a couple things. One, I love the fact that a few minutes ago you were talking about secret shopping your competition. Yes. And you kind of just glossed over that like, ah, this is obvious and it's just something you do. But this is something that I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about. And it's such a great opportunity to go out there and figure out what you need to do to differentiate, to figure out what you need to do to get an advantage over your competitors. So many of us like to avoid our competition or just be mad at our competition. And there's a saying, I mean, it's keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And, and very much that's what you were doing. You were trying to get to know your competition as much as possible. Absolutely. And we still do this today, um, especially if we're going to open up a new market. It's very, very important to be aware of your competition. Who are they shopping you against? And you'd be surprised. There are a lot of cleaning companies out there that are really lacking the professionalism that Made Pro has. And I awaken experience to know what others are charging, how they present themselves over the telephone and making sure that you're 10 steps ahead of them. It also helps you in establishing the pricing. That is a fantastic point. I love that. Okay. I want to discuss one other thing because I think this is something that may be confusing to some of our listeners who aren't familiar with franchising, but you mentioned that you turned your company into a made pro franchise for $1. Yes. So that doesn't mean that you spent a dollar and now you're making all the money. Can you talk a little bit about just how a franchise works, where you're paying the franchisor, the mother company, the headquarters company, and what that dollar meant in the scheme of, of what you're paying overall? Yes. Now, of course, usually when you join a franchise, there is an initial startup fee. I was just in a unique situation or had a unique opportunity where that original investment was only a dollar. That's very, very rare. However, there is a monthly royalty that uh, is invoiced based on the revenues that you're producing. And in my franchise, and this is something to look for if you are looking for a franchise to participate with, uh, and the higher the volume that we do in revenue, the lower my royalty percentage is. So there's an incentive to grow. Our royalty structure is actually tiered based on your revenue size. What you're paying for in every dollar of royalty that I pay in my franchise is worth every penny because they provide me an invaluable amount of support and coaching. They provide me with the branding, the marketing, the uh, online presence, which is huge in uh, making sure that we have the most up-to-date websites and landing pages and we can be found through SEO and they even manage our online presence and reputation, etc. Uh, but the royalty dollars are very, very worth every penny that I pay. Excellent. Excellent. So just to clarify, as a franchisor, so you brought to the table, and this is why you only had to pay the dollar instead of an initial upfront fee. You brought an established business, right? Yes. So you brought your client base, you brought your employees, but what the franchise provides to you is the marketing, the branding, the online presence, the ongoing training, the ongoing support, the reputation management, all those more high level things. So they provide kind of like the CEO piece of the organization. And then you are the day-to-day -day management and operations of your franchise. Is that a good way to establish that? That is correct. And one additional value that they bring is our operating system. 
that is huge because having the technology, having the reporting, uh, having the infrastructure to manage your client base, to manage your key metrics and your key ratios and know exactly the dollars behind your organization, that is a huge value add as well. Excellent. Excellent. So it sounds like there are a ton of value adds to being a franchisee. Are there any downsides to being a franchisee versus just having your own business? Are there any negatives that people should potentially look out for? Well, in my particular franchise, they provide a lot of flexibility for us to to be individual owners, but still have all of the benefits that they offer. Some franchises, now this is something to watch for, uh, they may be much more strict on where you buy your supplies, who you buy them from, things like that. My particular franchise offers a whole lot more flexibility, which is an advantage. So i personally, do not have any downsides that I have experienced. Excellent. So it just sounds like it's a real, yours in particular, MadePro is a really well-run franchise that offers you that autonomy to run the business the way you want to within their guidelines, within their parameters, within their overall brand. That's correct. That's fantastic. So basically you're paying a percentage of your monthly revenue for them to provide the systems, the processes, the software, the branding some marketing. And so it's kind of like just taking a a percentage of your revenue and outsourcing all that work to somebody else. That is correct. That's great. Love that. Okay. Now you have this made pro franchise, you're in Naples and you're growing your business. I want to talk a little bit about what that transition was like. There's work that I assume that that goes into having to change your branding. You have customers who know you as your old company, and Mm -hmm. now they have to learn about you as a new company. And you have to kind of change your website, and you have to wrap your vehicles, perhaps, or or decal your vehicles. There's a whole bunch of, of transition there. What was that transition like going from you being the CEO of your own company to now you're you're underneath another brand? Well, looking back, it was a little scary at first because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? Everyone knows me as Michelle's Classy Cleaning. And now all of a sudden I'm presenting Made Pro. I was a little afraid uh, that people might start canceling, but to my surprise, no one did. It was actually a smooth transition. It was basically putting all of the data into the operating system to begin with uh, and building the schedules in the operating system. That was step number one. And then of course, you know, back then it was previous to having all of the online, you know, email and, and so forth. It was more of sending out a letter in the mail back in 1999, uh, just introducing the transition and introducing the brand. And then from there, um, it was actually setting up a marketing plan for the first time, having a real marketing plan and uh, just kicking it off with a bang. And it was, it was great. That is awesome. So it sounds like, again, like we're just going to kind of follow the steps through. You started in 1995. By 1999, you were Michelle's classy cleaning. You had six employees. And then 1999, you became a made pro franchisee. You then grew the business. You put together your marketing plan. You executed on that marketing plan. It's been up and running smoothly. It's growing consistently. You're hiring more employees. You're getting more clients but you didn't want to stop there, right? You decided oh, no. you had to acquire even more franchise locations. So two pieces of that, why? Number one, the why. And number two, just tell us about how you made that happen. Well, of course, one of the reasons why I decided to join MadePro is because I knew that they had 
what I needed to take my business to the next level. You know, that infrastructure, the branding, the marketing, the employee manual that we never had. I mean, just all of the operational things that I needed to have in place to take the company to the next level. So it started with Naples. We built out uh, Naples to a mature office. I ended up dividing Naples into adding a second location in Fort Myers, which was just a natural gravitation. Then we added a third location in Marco Island. And uh, today we have six locations across Southwest Florida. That is so cool. Awesome. And for those that don't know, so Naples, Fort Myers, Mark Island, that's kind of all in the same kind of three, four county area, probably about an hour and a half, two hours driving distance, right? Yeah. Fort Myers is about 30 to 45 minutes away. Marco is about 45 minutes away. Uh, Those three markets were all part of my initial dollar investment. Got it. Okay. But the nice thing here is that you're running multiple locations, multiple cities, but everything is pretty well accessible to you in terms of driving. So if you need to go in and work at one of your offices, you can be there in a couple hours. It's not like you have to get on a plane and, and fly to another state. Right. That is correct. It's very easy for me to get to my locations within just a, a short drive. So let's talk about that growth process. So I think you were just about to say, and I apologize, I I cut you off. You were just about to say that the cost of those franchises, uh, at least a couple of them, was part of your initial franchise fee. So when you were growing, was your thought, I'm going to grow to three, four, five, six locations? Or was it, okay, today you wake up and you say, huh, I think I'm ready for another location. Was this well-planned or was it more seat of the pants? And then from a financial perspective, how did you grow? How did you come up with the franchise fee for the next location and the development fees for the next location? Well, what happened is when I was well-established with my Naples office and Fort Myers office, I actually had a phone call from Napro Corporate telling me that I had They had someone that was interested in buying the Sarasota territory. And I had always had my eye on Sarasota because I thought it would be a great market, uh, very similar to the Naples area. And quite honestly, has potential to do even more than the Naples, more of a volume in Naples because there's even more people in the demographic that we service. So I uh, exercised my first right of refusal and I bought the territory probably sometime around 2004, 2005. So I took advantage of of at least buying the zip codes is what I did. You buy a certain number of qualified households within those zip codes to secure my interests. Now, I didn't open that office right away. I sat on it for a while. And I'm actually kind of glad I did because that's when we ended up going through that big recession. And that happened shortly after I made that investment into the Sarasota area. Okay. So just to translate to make sure I understand it, first you had what's called a right of first refusal, which means when MadePro decides they want to expand into a new area that's near you, they have to come to you first and you can say either I want it and if you want it, it's yours, or I don't want it, in which case they can sell it to somebody else. That is correct. Okay. So that's the first piece, that right of first refusal. So they did that. You said, I want Sarasota. I want that. And then they allocate to you, you said, a certain number of households. So the way the franchise defines it, your location, your territory isn't necessarily based on geographic boundaries. It's not based on zip code. It's not based on city lines, anything like that. It's based on a certain number of households in a certain area. 
Well, the fee is based on the number of qualified households within those specific zip codes. Got it. So if, if the city were bigger, you'd pay more. If the city were smaller, you'd pay less. Basically, your opportunity, your, your potential opportunity defines the cost of you buying that franchise. That's correct. Got it. Thank you for that. But then uh-huh. you decided to wait on Sarasota. You you locked it up. You said, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to hold on to it. And it's kind of like a longer term investment. I'm not going to open it yet, but you definitely want to have it under your control. Yes. Okay. That is correct. So the day came when I was ready and I opened an office. I hired a branch manager, basically took everything I knew from the other three locations and just duplicated it into the Sarasota area. I mean, everything looks the same, the same office layout, the same infrastructure. As a matter of fact, what makes this whole thing work so well is all of the phone calls for all of my customers are all in my call center in the Naples area. So my branches are really just dispatch facilities. There's a branch manager and they dispatch all of the pros from those locations uh, each and every day. But everything's controlled in the Naples call center with customer service and sales. And that's what's made it work for me. But then I did end up opening uh, the Sarasota branch office. And uh, it's growing very, very nicely. And then I realized I kind of have a hole because you've got Marco Island further south. Then you have Naples, which is just north of that. Then just north of Naples is Fort Myers. Then we skipped over Punta Gorda and Port Charlotte and went right into Sarasota. So it was just natural for me to say, we're missing out on this little hole on the map and decided to open up the Port Charlotte office literally just two years ago, actually two weeks before Hurricane Irma came through. Oh my goodness. That's some crazy timing right there. That is seriously crazy timing. That is, that was kind of crazy. So um, that opportunity is uh, growing very, very well. Uh, Again, just duplicated what we did in all other four locations, hired a branch manager, uh, it's just a dispatch facility. All the customer service and sales is ran through our Naples call center. So it works beautifully. It's really like a cookie cutter process. It really is. And it sounds like you've just done a beautiful job figuring out how to scale rapidly and thoughtfully and strategically. Like you said, by having these processes, having these systems, having your centralized sales, marketing, dispatch, et cetera, then at each of your locations, which by the way, I think that's a really good tip to our listeners is be really thoughtful and mindful, especially when it comes to geographic considerations. I mean, you saw that geographic gap and it just made perfect sense. It's sounds like, to fill in that hole, right? And you were able to do that strategically. And and so I don't want to say easily because starting anything is not easy, but I would suspect as you go on and you open up new location after new location, it probably becomes a little bit easier because you repeat the same process over and over and over. You're following your same system, correct? It's just all about creating that system and duplicating it. So now we've duplicated that system five times. And then my franchisor approached me about acquiring an existing made pro office, which was a first in the Fort Lauderdale market. Uh, there was actually an existing uh, a previous owner who was actually struggling. Um, he had actually made, this is something I would advise as well when you're wanting to grow your business is try not to grow it too fast. You do want to be strategic. You don't want to implode. 
you want to make sure that you've built a successful market that has a foundation before you go open up another new market. Well, there is another macro owner that I think was really hungry and really went, was extremely aggressive, grew too fast. He was actually running multiple locations in different states. And I, I think he just, he got in trouble financially. So they asked me if I would be interested in taking over that office. And so I did. I went ahead, I went and I bought it. I called it a made pro rescue. <laughs> went in, fixed it. <laughs> I had to, you know, make a lot of infrastructure changes and just duplicate again that all the systems and put those systems in place in that Fort Lauderdale office that were in all other five markets. And uh, that office I acquired over a year ago and it's doing very, very well. And it's that market alone is is a huge opportunity because we service all of Broward County and even some of Dade County as well. Okay. So this actually brings to mind a question that goes back to what we were talking about. You had five locations that were kind of all contiguous. They were attached areas. You could drive from <laughs> one place in the South to two and a half hours North and every place you were driving, you had locations. But now you're moving to Fort Lauderdale. And again, for those who aren't familiar with Florida geography, uh, Fort Lauderdale is on the other side of the state, the other coast. And it's a good hour and a half from where your home base is. And in between there is basically swampland. Yes. So you can't really acquire the area in between. So you now have a gap between kind of your five other locations and now this this location that's kind of separate and, and on its own, its own little island in a way. What kind of challenges did that provide in terms of getting that one up and running? Were there any challenges just based on the physical location of that not being contiguous with the rest of your locations? Well, actually, to get to my Fort Lauderdale office, it's just really a hop on um, Alligator Alley. And I could be there in an hour and 45 minutes. Basically, the same distance between here and my Sarasota location is an hour and 45 minutes. It's just a different direction. Got it. So I can still get there you know, if I leave early in the morning, I could be there by eight o'clock if I needed to be. And I usually, how I've set up my infrastructure is I do a lot of Zoom video conference calls with my managers. So on a regular basis, we're always meeting through video conference, which I love technology today. So you don't actually have to be in that physical location to be able to provide great value and great support to your management team. But then I make my rounds every three months. To each location. So I personally will show up every three months and we do pro recognition breakfasts on a quarterly basis where we'll uh, give away prizes, recognize the team for their great performance. So they, they win gift cards and cash money and we make it a lot of fun. So and that's my, my chance to check in as well on the physical location, make my presence known and of course, recognize my team. Excellent. Excellent. And, and as you're talking about recognizing your teams in each of these different locations and being integrally involved through Zoom and through your every three-month breakfasts and visits and so on, you mentioned the managers at each of these offices. So it sounds like you said, what do you have, a GM or a branch manager at each location or exactly how does that organization work out within each individual location? Yeah. Each location has a branch manager. Okay. Uh, that actually is in charge of dispatching pros. They're in charge of all the operations within that branch, including recruiting employees, employee retention, and they're also in charge of quality control, making sure that 
the, the work that we're doing out in the field, the services that we're providing to our customers are meeting our expectations. Beautiful. So basically at this point, you're a general manager or let's call it a regional manager. Basically you oversee all the individual locations, but in theory, they can run without you for a day, a week, a month, maybe even a couple of months. You could go on vacation for the next three months. You can come talk to us on this podcast and you don't have to worry about somebody like handing you some emergency issue in one of your, in one of your day-to-day operations that you have to deal with anymore. Well, I do. I travel a lot. I can go away. I don't have to be here. My business will run without me. I have an excellent management team, including uh, a great management team within my call center in the Naples office. So it really takes a team of great people to allow you to be successful because you cannot do it yourself. Absolutely not. But what's nice is, is I can go to a whole other country. I can be out of town. And all of our operating systems are all cloud-based, so I can check in remotely. I can work from anywhere in the world if I wanted to, but I can completely check out at the same time and know that things are running the way I expect them to run. Awesome. Before we move on to the next part of our show, let's hear from one of our show sponsors. All right, guys. Real estate investing is known for a lot of things, mainly making a very select group of people a whole lot of money but being an online cutting edge experience is usually not one of those hallmarks. Well, thanks to Fundrise, that's no longer the case. Fundrise is the future of real estate investing. Their revolutionary model is transforming the industry thanks to their software, which cuts out the costly middlemen and removes old market inefficiencies. Fundrise delivers the kind of investing power you typically only see at the big institutions and can now bring real estate's unique potential for long-term growth and cash flow to individual investors like us. Getting started is simple and usually takes less than five minutes. When you invest with Fundrise, you'll be instantly diversified across dozens of real estate projects, each one carefully vetted and actively managed by Fundrise's team of real estate professionals. Then you can use their intuitive investor dashboard and real-time reporting system to monitor the progress of each property in your portfolio. Now that's the future of real estate investing. So are you ready to get started? Then visit Fundrise dot com slash BP business. That's F U N D R I S E dot com slash BP business. And you'll get the first three months of fees waived. Again, that's fundrise.com slash BP business. How would you feel if you could save an extra $1,500 this year without lifting a finger? Saving money doesn't come naturally to most people. In fact, for a lot of my life, I was absolutely terrible at it. Luckily, there's a tool designed to help all of us out. It's an app called Empower, and it's transforming spenders into savers. Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, is an awesome mobile app that allows you to automate your saving and improve your money management. You simply tell the app your weekly savings target. Each day, Empower studies your income and spending and automatically knows when to move the right amount of money right into your savings account, where you're less likely to burn through it. Plus, you get access to Empower's human coaches who can give you personalized recommendations as well. No more Googling all of your finance questions. If you want to save an extra $1,500 or more this year, you've got to check out the Empower app. Download Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, in the App Store or the Google Play Store. I downloaded it, and more than 650,000 other people have as well. For listeners of this show, get $5 when you use offer code BPB, like Bigger Pockets Business, and reach your savings goal. 
Visit empower.me slash BPB for more details. That's empower.me slash BPB. Can you talk to us a little bit about what your financials look like? So I don't want you to go into any more detail than you're comfortable with, but whatever degree you're comfortable, can you talk a little bit about like how big each of these units are, which one's performing the best, what the revenue might look like? And also, I know our our listeners are probably interested, what does a typical revenue model for a franchisor look like? How much are you paying of your monthly revenue to the franchisor? How much are you keeping? How does that whole thing look and structured? Sure. Lots of great questions. First of all, with the six locations, we did over $4 million in revenue in 2019. And that was that's the biggest amount of revenue that we've done. It's a new milestone that we met. So I'm super proud of our team for accomplishing that. The next goal is to hit $4.5 million for 2020. So there's always goals being set. So we have a vision. We have something to work towards. And one of the great things about my franchisor and the operating software that they provide us is we have tools, which we call our key ratios reports, that will tell me what our benchmarks are and if they're healthy. So this is this is actually one of the benefits of a franchise, it sounds like. In a typical industry, I might have to go out because I own a company that is kind of, it's on my own. Carol owns a company. It's on her own. We're not franchisees. And we need to go out and figure out ourselves what typical margins are in an industry, how much our competitors are charging, what we should be spending on, on various expenses, what our expense ratios should be. And we don't know necessarily what a hundred other companies in this space, what their numbers look like. So we don't have those benchmarks. We don't know, are we doing a better job than our competition or are we doing a worse job than our competition? I guess the nice thing about a franchise is if they have, I don't know how many locations made pro has, but if they have a hundred locations or 200 locations, that's basically a hundred or 200 other companies that you can look at their numbers. You can look at their operating margins. You can look at their expenses. You can look at their revenue and you can say, how am I doing compared to a hundred or 200 other companies that are exactly like mine, which is actually really cool. Well, what's awesome is I can see the revenue of every single office in the entire nation. So we have actually aggregates. So we can actually see the numbers of all the other locations so we can kind of compare ourselves. So if I want to compare myself with all the May pros in Florida, I can just pull up those aggregate numbers just for Florida and know how we're, how I'm comparing to them. If I just want to look up, or let's say if I look up revenue rank, I want to see how I compare with the top 10 franchises in the nation. I'm pulling up my numbers right now for January of, of 2020. And I can proudly say that for January out of my six locations, we did over $395,000 in revenue. The second franchise that I won't mention where they're located, but they did $283,000 in monthly revenue. So you can see that just in January alone. So I can compare myself to other franchises to kind of see how we're doing. They also give us key metrics to watch. You know, one of the biggest things that we watch for to measure the health of the business is your attrition. You know, are you keeping your clients? And we have certain measurements that we watch for that are provided by our franchisor to determine what is a healthy number. Yeah, that's great. They kind of take over the uh, the MBA piece of being a business owner as, as a franchisee. That's correct. 
And Michelle, I don't want to gloss over, um, as you're looking at everybody else's numbers and you are comparing yourself to all of these other franchises across the, the nation, you did say earlier that once in a while your competitive nature kicks in, which is a beautiful thing. So just out of curiosity, where do your franchises line up as compared to everybody else across the country? Well, we're the number one largest revenue producing office out of over 250 locations nationwide, including in Canada. And that uh, can only be accomplished by having the support of my franchisor and the amazing team that uh, we have within our own organization here locally. That's awesome. Really awesome. How many employees do you have across all your locations? Uh, between six locations, there's over 130 plus, and we need more. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody is looking for a job in the Southwest Florida area, there you go. Yes. So let's talk a little bit in more general terms now. So let's say we have, and I'm sure we do have some listeners out there who are thinking, okay, this whole franchise thing sounds like it would be for me. Let's say they're going out and they're looking for a franchise and, and they have to go through their due diligence. Is this a good one? Is this a bad one? What are some things that they should be looking for when doing their due diligence on a particular franchise? Say, you know, first of all, find out what, what is your passion? What is your love? What do you what do you really want out of life? And pursue your passion to begin with. For me, my passion is, you know, we've decided that we're a whole lot more than just an average cleaning company. Uh what you know, out there cleaning toilets and scrubbing floors. But what we're really all about is improving the quality of people's lives. And we see that every day. And that's become my personal passion because I see ourselves as doing a whole lot more than just cleaning houses. Uh, so first, find out what your passion is, and then make sure that the franchise that you decide to pursue, you know, what is what lifestyle do you want? How many hours do you want to work a day? How many days a week do you want to work? You know, in the restaurant business, you might be open seven days a week, and that's mostly evenings and weekends. You know, kind of gauge up your passion, but also determine what kind of lifestyle you want to have. That is an excellent tip. That's great. I'd never even considered that. <laughs> even within franchises, they're going to afford you very different work hours and like you said, lifestyle. Yep. So that, that's a fantastic tip. The second tip that I would have in uh, looking for the right opportunity is having a recurring revenue stream. Unlike having a product, if I had a product to sell, I'd have to find a new customer every day, especially if that product had a long shelf life. Well, in my business, it's recurring. You know, I have weekly customers. I have bi-weekly customers. I have monthly customers. And I have thousands of one-time occasional use customers. So I think we have probably close to 1,500 active recurring clients. So there's a consistent income, a consistent revenue coming in each and every month that we can build upon. And if I'm monitoring my attrition to making sure my attrition is as low as possible, that means I'm keeping my clients, then I, my net gain builds over time. So looking for something uh, that provides a recurring revenue source is probably another big factor that I would suggest that you look for. That's great. Any red flags that we should be concerned about when, when looking at a franchise? Um, one of the things, do your due diligence. How many turnovers do they have? Do they have long-term franchise owners, franchisees, or are they having their own attrition problems? Are they turning over franchise owners? And if they are, why? That might be some things to look at to see if there's any red flags. That's great. Love that. 
Excellent. So I'm curious, is there a path to truly being completely passive in the business, in the industry that you're in, in the franchise world? So could you essentially put someone else in charge and you basically retire and travel the world with your grown children and take care of your dogs and just do all that fun stuff and just make it truly passive? Or will this be a business just for as long as you're really integrally involved? How does that work? It can. I, you know, I, I, of course, have been kind of deciding, you know, what is my exit strategy going to look like, you know, and, and with seeking of exit strategies, that takes planning and that takes time too. You know, there's a couple of different ways of looking at it. Do I want to have my grown ch- kids when they're <laughs> adults one day? Do I want them to take over or do I want to sell it? Or do I want to put the infrastructure in place uh, so it continues to run and generate an income source for me? And all three can be done. And yes, it it could truly be a passive income source uh, with the right team in place. So yeah, I have some personal decisions that I need to make over the course of the next few years. Excellent. Do you have any major plans at this point? Do you, are you going to acquire more locations? Are you going to sit back and kind of enjoy your success? What's the plan from here on out? Well, my goal right now is I have six locations. The Fort Myers uh, location generates well over $100,000 in revenue. It's a mature location. The Naples office uh, is doing close to 150000 in revenue, so that's a mature location. Marco Island is, is an island. It's a mature location, and it's going to be more limited in the amount of revenue it can generate. However, by three new markets, that's my focus right now. Sarasota, Fort Charlotte, and Fort Lauderdale. Those three locations, I want to turn them into mature locations generating over $100,000 in revenue. And then once they are at those levels, then I can start thinking about adding another location. Yeah. And that's a great tip right there. I think a a lot of us, we get so excited about, I'm going to get 50 locations, or maybe it's just, I'm going to get two or three or four locations, whatever that number is for you. And you're so excited about building more locations and, and saying, I have X number of locations that maybe you don't spend enough time actually worrying about the maturity of those locations and growing those locations and making sure each one is really standalone. And I I think you saw that, uh, or you gave us an example of that with the Fort Lauderdale location that that another owner came in, bought a bunch of locations in different States and basically couldn't manage them. He got in over his head. So it sounds like you're more focused or at at least enough focused on maturing each location before you grow too quickly. So that's a great tip for our listeners as well. That's correct. Awesome. Any other tips that that you can provide for our listeners that we haven't touched on yet? I just encourage those that are, if they're thinking of starting their own business or they're they're thinking about exploring a franchise opportunity, you know, a lot of people will spend a lot of time just getting ready and they just never get started. You know, you've heard that saying, you know, get ready, aim, fire. Well, my philosophy is just fire and then get ready along the way and then do your aiming. Just get started. Take action. The other bit of advice that I like to, to share, it, just to give a little inspiration, is really all it takes to be a successful person is just to be an average, ordinary person with an extraordinary amount of determination. Love that. <laughs> I love the way you just said that. 
I do too. Michelle, this has been so great. Now we would like to pop into the segment of our show that we call Four More. And these are four rapid fire style questions. We're going to ask you four questions. Don't think too hard. Just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. And then the more segment, you're going to tell us more about where we can find out even more about you, about your business and how people can connect. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Okay. Jay, take the first question. Okay. Michelle, what was your very first or your very worst? I'll let you decide job. And what did you learn from it? Okay. Wow. I I got one. My very first cleaning job. (laughs) (laughs) Ironic. This was before I was actually Michelle's classic cleaning. Um, you know, my, my sister-in-law was going to help me. You know, she was kind of thinking about going into business with me and we had been, or I had been on this old abandoned convenient mart down in Marco Island. And, and uh, I bid uh, $75 for five hours worth of work. And that's man hours. That's one person for five hours, two people for two and a half hours each. We were so excited about that first little cleaning job that we had packed up my little Toyota black silica convertible with all the mops and tools and clean supplies. And we were just super psyched. Got in there and started scrubbing and cleaning. And, and it turned out that the place was really cruddy. It was bad. Bad, 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 bad. So it didn't take me long to realize that I had seriously underbid that job. But we finished what seemed like 40 man hours later. We, <laughs> we were exhausted. I went to go get paid my $75 and the owners didn't want to pay me. <gasps> no. <laughs> they wanted me to do the windows too. Now at a convenience store, you can imagine that's all glass. And that was not part of my written proposal. So all I could do at the time is cry. And they must have felt bad enough for me that they went ahead and gave me my $75. And my sister-in-law and I left. We packed the car back up. My sister-in-law looked at me and said, I'm done. No more. I'm not ever doing this again. And I had to humble my pride and say, okay, well, now I know what not to do next time. (laughs) What a great lesson to learn, right? What a perfect way to turn that around into something useful and informative. And thank God I didn't quit that day myself because I would never have been able to touch so many lives today. That is great. Awesome. Love it. Okay, Michelle, I would like to know, what is the first time you realized you truly had an entrepreneurial itch? (laughs) To tell you the truth, when I was a little girl, I used to sell greeting cards door to door and I didn't even do it for money. They gave you a catalog of prizes that you could earn depending on how many greeting cards you sold. And so I would pick out my prize that I wanted and I had to go out and figure out how to sell X number of greeting cards to get enough points to get that prize. And that was my first opportunity. Oh, and the other one was my grandparents had a farm. And uh, they used to uh, let me sell the uh, sweet corn in bushels. And I would sit out on the corner of the yard and sell, instead of selling lemonade, I was selling corn by the bushels. (laughs) I love it. That is so cool. And P.S., I have not thought about the greeting card catalog in years. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I totally remember that. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question number three. This is an easy one. What's your favorite business book or book that you've read recently that our listeners should be reading if they aren't already? E-Myth. 
E-Myth, Revisited. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite books. For those who haven't read it, it's basically how to put your business on autopilot. And if anybody's ever heard the quote, you should be working on your business, not in it. That's where it comes from. Yes. There you go. Great recommendation. Excellent. Okay. And our fourth question, Michelle, is, this is one of my favorites. What is something in either your personal or your professional life that you've splurged on along the way that was totally worth it? Well, I absolutely love my Audi S5 red convertible. It is so fun to drive. And that was a big splurge. And I also splurged on my boat. Wow. Because I love going out on the boat. Awesome. Those are two awesome Florida Gulf Coast splurges (laughs) for you right there. Love it. Best way to get to the island. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Michelle, this has been absolutely fantastic. Before we go, I want to get to the more part of the four more, and I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, where they can find out more about your business, where potentially they can connect with you, and anything else you want to tell us. Well, you can uh, find us online at madepro.com. Real simple uh, way to find us. You can also find us on Facebook, MadePro of Southwest Florida. Uh, You can find us there. Um, Definitely reach out to us. We'd love to be able to share further words of wisdom and inspiration. Awesome. Outstanding. Michelle, thank you so much. This was absolutely amazing. So helpful. And I know all of our listeners that have thought about franchising or franchises in the past um, are really going to love this episode. So thank you again for being here with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a true honor. It was awesome, Michelle. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, the first thing I need to say about that episode is talking to Michelle before we recorded. This is the first podcast she has ever done. She was so nervous and she did an absolutely amazing job. I couldn't agree more. I still can't believe that was her first show. She did such an excellent job delivering her story and providing so many great and actionable tips that I just thought it was fantastic all the way around. And I've got to tell you, I just think it's so inspirational that she started on her own $300 and has grown it into this huge business by duplicating systems and processes and being strategic and making sure she didn't grow faster than she was able to handle. And it sounds like she said an amazing journey and she really just hammers home the fact that any one of us can do it if we stay focused and determined. Yeah. And I just want to leave everybody with that quote that Michelle said towards the end of the interview. All it takes to be a successful person is just to be an average ordinary person with an extraordinary amount of determination. That quote is absolutely legendary. I love it. It is. So spot on. Absolutely. Okay. I think we're done for this week. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and you have an amazing rest of your week. For everybody here, she's Carol. I'm Jay. Now go show some extraordinary determination today. Have an outstanding week, everybody. Go be awesome. Thanks, everybody.